Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to Blizzard Watch, the podcast where we watch Blizzard and its games with deep abiding enthusiasm i'm your host matt uh with me this week are two amazing co-hosts uh first up i don't introduce him first all that much so i'm gonna introduce him first this time it's mitch mitch how was your week hey there um how was my week i don't know nothing too exciting i'm probably forgetting something but yeah overall nothing nothing crazy just a normal average week all righty uh do you play any blizzard games uh none whatsoever just kidding. I've been on my Demon Hunter a lot lately, which I may have said last week, but it continues this week, and uh, she's getting more and more gear, and she's actually starting to do damage, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun. I Tank or it, DPS? Uh, I, I've been playing DPS just because, um, unless I want to, like, you know, go serious mode, um, I usually just want to not think about things when I'm playing right now. Um, so DPS is a lot easier and less stressful than tanking. I do love Demon Hunter tanking, though. Yeah, I was gonna say from what little I experienced when I played one, they they tank like a dream. So yeah, they're they're a lot of fun to tank, and I will do them uh, like tanking wise in dungeons and stuff like that. But I have been doing like LFR and stuff like that, and I don't want to. Uh, yeah, it can tank. be it can be kind of stressful to tank for LFR, even if you're experienced in the content. Yeah, because you have to try to manage people who won't necessarily listen to you and so forth. So yeah, I can see it exactly. All right, well. Also with us this week, um, her hair is freshly dyed and she's ready to come out swinging. Uh, and and Stickney, what are you up to this weekend? Um, not much in games world-wise. Like, I've been playing my alt a little bit, but mostly I've been preoccupied with other stuff. I got license plates for my car, finally. Woo-hoo! That was they, Are they just Cadgar's face staring at us? No, no, Cadgar is in the dashboard. <laughs> okay. Cadgar is uploaded so to Cadgar the computer in, one in the car. dash. This is like, this is like plates for the front and back of the car no the the dmv man i had an experience when i went to the dmv like it was magical and i mentioned it on my twitter but like the lady who called me up to get my plates i had to wait forever even though i had an appointment but the lady that called me up to get my plates she sounded exactly like patty slash selma from the simpsons like she had that gravel in her voice right (laughs) Like that that you know what I'm talking about. Hello, ma'am. Can I yes, help you? Yes, that okay. voice. Okay. She had that voice, right? She had that <laughs> voice. It was it was a mix between that and then um the the receptionist lady from Monsters Inc. You know who may or may not be voiced by the same woman. I don't know. <laughs> been a long time since I've seen that movie. <laughs> Monsters Inc. It's a fabulous movie. Anyway, but she was the the difference between her and Patty slash Selma is that she was like really enthusiastic and kind of funny like she would crack jokes but the thing is is like her voice was so deadpan that when she cracked (laughs) jokes you weren't quite sure if she was joking or not and then she'd just give you this look and then you start (laughs) laughing right so it was just this very dry deadpan delivery throughout the process and i brought in my old plates from my old car because i figured oh i'll just transfer them over 
I didn't realize it, but my plate, like the back plate on my old car, was peeling, like bubbling and peeling. Um, like oh. the finish on it was peeling up because my car's rear end sits out the back end of the carport, so it gets sun pretty much all day. So it was just years of sun damage was all it was anyway so she was like poking at it with her fingernail and she goes you should probably replace these instead of transferring them and I said well how much of a cost difference is that going to be she goes let me look it up I I can get you the exact numbers and she starts tapping away on her computer and looks very serious as she's doing this and then she stops and she's like oh and I said is it that bad she goes 93 cents (laughs) I said extra she goes you'd be saving 93 cents would you like to save 93 cents <laughs> I was like, just give me the new plate she goes all right <laughs> i'm glad you'd like can... to be saving 93 cents yeah i'm glad it was she just... can make the most out of that job she was a Cause... hoot she was so funny her name was karen only she spelled it differently but it was karen and i was like Karen at the DMV with this voice that just sounds like gravel in a blender. I love her. <laughs> she was magical. <laughs> An ode to Karen. Yeah. I just, I, I was like, I, you have stories. I know you have stories, lady. <laughs> See, now we and know that if, they're fantastic. If Ian, just, if Ian ever starts working at Blizzard, there's going to be an NPC in Orgrimmar. Karen. Karen the Orc. Karen. Yeah. Have you come to serve the Horde? I think would you like Karen, to save 93 I think Karen copper? would actually be like copper. a worgen. I think she would be a worgen lady, like in some worgen. Everything costs or 93 copper. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. Anyway, she Alrighty, was funny. Well, uh, I, I'm, here I am. I'm going to spare you guys my week. Trust me. If you want to know more, look at my Twitter if there's pictures. Uh, we're going to talk about some stories of stuff that's going on in Blizzard With this Blizzard. week. Yes. Not, uh, like, you know. Not not my story of, of body horror. And not You'd the DMV. <laughs> well, then maybe the DMV comes back in. I don't know. Oh. But uh, there's various things here to talk about. And I'm not going to do them in order because I never do them in order. Plus, I want to talk about Phoenix coming to Heroes of the Storm. Phoenix is coming to Heroes of the Storm. Yes. There. I talked about it. They announced uh, it finally. Yeah. Took them a while. It's, they were teasing this and teasing this, and a lot of us thought it might maybe they were going to pull a bait and switch on us and not do Phoenix because they were teasing it so hard. Well, but it's it's not tremendously surprising because this is the big anniversary for for StarCraft, so it's and Phoenix is a good choice for a character if you're doing a big anniversary thing because he's one of the big lore figures. He's also a Protoss hero, and they actually have a fair amount of Protoss heroes. I mean, they've got the the drone, that's a Protoss hero, yeah. Probius. Pro- Probius, Artanis, uh, Tassadar. So with Phoenix, they've Seems actually like got the big three. Artanis, Tassadar, and uh, Phoenix were like all friends, and they were all big big players in the, uh, the campaign for the original StarCraft. So it is fitting that they would introduce him. But uh, Mitch, I'm sure you've at least looked at him. Uh, yeah, I have. He's the... Uh, and this will probably, you know, or probably already is worked out. But uh, the thing I noticed with him in the try mode was that it was it was hard to figure out what talents to go with. Like there doesn't seem to be one specific talent in each tier that stood out to me. And again, I'm sure there's you know a best choice and whatever. But he he definitely feels like a complicated assassin hero. Which by the way, he's an assassin. Um, he's also like a dragoon unit. If you know, you know those from StarCraft. They're like the four-legged spidery thingies. Um, They're like basically walking tanks. Yeah, exactly. And he's he's cool though. Like his laser beam circle thing. He has one where you know you pick a spot around him, and it, it can be of any radius, like up to a you know, certain point, obviously. Um, but it circles around him twice, and if it hits enemy heroes, it slows. So, and you can move while doing it. So that's that's also important. And that's uh, it's interesting because you kind of have to you know when heroes are on the move you kind of have to figure out where they're going to be and what's the right radius do you do a small radius because they're close to you or do you you know go with a slightly bigger radius because you think they're going to try to run away um and then he also has uh his w swaps between you know two different types of auto attacks one is a faster charging single target and one is a slower charging multi-target um that does well splash damage and when he does the splash damage, I think when I was in uh, the try mode, like the DPS from the splash damage equaled the DPS from the single target damage at two targets, and it outweighed the single target at three targets. But again, there's a lot of talents that you can 
you can adjust like the uh, single target damage or the multi-target damage, but a lot of it's the single target. So like his uh, E ability, which is, a, I think it's phase warp or something to that degree where he phases out for like half a second and then teleports away. One of his talents, you know, you can use that and then your next, like for the next couple seconds, your auto attacks are faster if you're in the single target mode. And then he, he has a bunch of other talents like that where it's like use one ability to empower uh, the single target mode or the multi-target mode. It's just he's he's complicated, at least at first glance. You know, once you get the hang of him, he might not be so bad, but he's a really cool hero. And also he has a lot of pretty lasers. His planet cracker, which is probably not going to be picked that often just because it fires across the entire map, but it's also going to be super easy to dodge. But it's really but it's fun. It's also a really cool sounding it's, name. Let's it, just put that out. Oh there. yeah, it's it's really fun. It's really pretty looking, and you know the benefits I could see having, and I don't know if it would work at the pros so much, but some of the lower ranks, like if you know an enemy is like trying to take the boss, you could be at your base and aim the planet cracker at that merc camp, and they would have to clear out. So like even if you're at your base and your team is you know in a team fight, that's where planet cracker could maybe come in handy. Um, because it, it does a lot of damage if you stand in it. The problem is, you know, it's easy not to stand in, but if you're trying to take a point like a boss or a merc camp or, you know, there's a team fight and Zarya has them in the gravity beam thingy, whatever, um, then it's it could be useful. And it, you know, it has that global range, like literally just a straight line from wherever he is all across the map. So he's, he's cool, and I'm excited to see uh, how he works out. And a lot of people seem really excited about him, too. Yeah, I know you talked about wanting a new assassin because lately they haven't been really dropping assassins. So, well, it was it was more that we've had uh, we had a Starcraft warrior last time, and we also have Starcraft warrior in Artanis for a while. Um, and and it, like when I was reading up on him, it sounded like he was you know like frontline charging warrior, but that was pre dragoon form. So I, I was kind of hoping he, he would go assassin or specialist, to be honest. Um, but just not warrior because we have those. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, next thing I want to talk about, because you guys got to do this on the Alpha, the uh, island expeditions. I d- believe you guys went on and did some. Am I, I'm not we wrong. Did. We, we did. Some. Yeah. Okay. We streamed some. It was interesting. They've since done, like, they've put in, like, a few improvements and changes and stuff to them. What we got was a very bare-bones version. And even for being a bare-bones version that isn't quite, you know, developed to the point that they want it yet, it was stupid fun. <laughs> Yes, it was. Um, uh, it's do you want to describe it? Yeah, it's like it's it's Battle for Azeroth's version of a three-person scenario. Only there's a little bit of a discrepancy there because it it was three of us in this scenario, and the description when you clicked on the description for it said that it was supposed to be six. So but, I, I did actually look into the into this. The I don't think it was the description in the. Alpha said that the description on the forum said like there's six NPCs. No, it said like when you talked to the NPC and you went to go queue up, they asked if you wanted like more information. There was an option that you could no, click I, for I more clicked on it. I I went back and looked at it, uh, like the the VOD, and I didn't see anything about six v six there. Weird. But I did I did see the forum post mentioned six NPCs, and I right. think what it was saying is there's six possible. Yeah, there are. But it's are. just teams of three. There's there's six possible. Anyway, so it's you and two other people, and you can queue up for this as a group, or you can queue up as it ra- uh, randomly for it. Um, and it plays a lot like, well, I don't know how much a lot it would be, <laughs> but it felt a lot like the new Battleground that just came out, because you're gathering Azerite, and you get gather it from a variety of sources including by killing the opposing NPCs Um, so it felt a little bit kind of like a PvP scenario but it was PvE because the enemy NPCs I mean when we were playing the Horde the enemy NPCs were Alliance NPCs when we were playing Alliance the enemy NPCs were Horde NPCs so it's you and this group of three NPCs that are all raiding this island and trying to get to how many was it Mitch? Was it was it 16, 1500? Uh, wait, 
total amount? Yeah. What was I think the it was total? six. I think it was six thousand. Six thousand. Okay. So anyway, yeah. you had to get to like a certain amount. I'm thinking of the battleground again because the battleground was like yeah, 1, the battleground. Anyway, <laughs> so you had to get to like six thousand resources before the other side does, and then you win. What do you win? I don't know. Actually, I didn't even think to look at what the rewards for doing this are because it didn't really matter in the long run we were having so much fun doing it i didn't it didn't like even come up but uh it's weird think, how the npcs the act because oh, yeah. that, act the new very, ai thing they talked yeah. about it's like tactical ai i think is what they referred to it back like around blizzcon uh when they were talking about it it's it's really cool they're smart and not only are they smart, but they act like players. And by acting like players, I mean they will randomly just kind of jump around or jump in place. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like the person on the other side is hitting their space bar, which is something I do all the time. So oh, sure. it just looked really weirdly familiar that these NPCs were doing this kind of thing. And then, of course, there was Sneaky Pete. Sneaky Pete is an undead rogue who acts just like a rogue would <laughs> a rogue player would oh in he's other a words, jerk yeah they're cheap oh yeah he'll mess, <laughs> he'll mess up your day cheap cheap he'll mess up your day he doesn't stick with his group he, he stealths he goes off on his own he'll like attack you out of nowhere you get him down to 10 percent health and he'll vanish and then he'll come immediately back without healing up because he's an idiot like most of the rogues <laughs> i say this as, as a rogue player who has done this i don't know how many times so <laughs> he the best part though is he's always yelling sneaky Pete for, yeah he yells no his name reason. he just yells his name he yells sneaky Pete all the time and he's funny as all get out like all of them are really funny um when we were playing the horde npc or when we were playing horde characters and we had alliance npcs we had jaina's angels and they were like mm -hmm. three dudes who were all mages, and they well, no, excuse all me. kind of shirtless. Uh, two of them were yeah, mages. Some of them were, yeah, yeah. There were two of them and that didn't paladin. have shirts on, and one of them that did because he was wearing a robe because he was a mage. And yeah, there was a paladin. There was what was the third one? I think the third one I... was a, like a shadow priest or something like that, um, or just a priest in general. I, I I seem to remember. I, I yeah, I don't remember the third one entirely. I I remember, I seem to remember mage being mind flayed. So. And and as a rogue, of course, I got targeted early and often and died a lot. It was fun though because it was it was content that didn't necessarily have a lot of dire consequence or anything. It was you go in, you mess around, you have fun, and then you leave. It felt like well, it felt like every scenario in Miss of Pandaria where you go I in, was you just get stuff ask, done, and you leave, right? I was going to yeah. say, was it like was it like that? Yeah. that you know, all monkey one from Miss of Pandaria. It, it felt a lot like, like Unga Ingu. And the thing is, is the one that we ran into was the first of I don't know how many because apparently these these island expeditions are going to be like procedurally generated or something, so they, you don't get the same one every time. You get different stuff every time. So what we were dealing with was, I think, kind of like the rough pass of that content. And more of it will be added over time um, throughout the alpha. Because I feel like I feel like when they we have... actually get to live Battle for Azeroth, there's going to be a selection of them to choose from. They have Havenswood is the other one. And it looks like it's in the city of Corellis um, almost. That? No, 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 no. I'm looking at slides from BlizzCon. Oh, okay. Um, but that's... Uh, let's see. I can't tell if this slide is referring to expeditions, but there's Scarlet Isle, Krill Isle, Oyster Reef are some of the ones. Yeah, it's that slide kind of a thing. BlizzCon. And the cool part about it, though, is that they have... What we went in and we did was just kind of like a normal mode thing, but apparently these are going to have, like, harder modes, and there's also a mode where you can go in as PvP, and instead of fighting enemy NPCs, there's actually going to be enemy players, like other players on the island that you're contending with, um, if you feel like going that route with it. So there's going to be a bunch of different options for what you can do. I liked it a lot. <laughs> I, I did too. I am a little disappointed because they have since hotfixed the number of jumps the enemies do yeah. to, you know, be lower. I do like sad, the fact cause... that the NPCs, it was weird how much like a player those NPCs yeah. acted. They, were, they, they, they were smart. It was cool. They were smart and they were also, it wasn't just like the abilities that they pulled off and things like that. It was just like character movement. 
how they went from point A to point B on the map, um, whether or not they stuck together. Uh, Sneaky Pete in particular, the fact that he peeled off by himself and went off on his own, that's very much something that a rogue player would do. Yeah, so this <laughs> this is from... I'm looking at uh, the Wowhead post on this, uh, uh-huh. which has a lot of information from back at BlizzCon. From back at BlizzCon, they have something that says the AI will likely have personalities, such as a rogue named Sneaky Pete that notices you pulled too much, sap your healer, and then burst you down. And that is exactly the kind of stuff Sneaky Pete was doing. Yep. Like, the AI is smart. And they did say that it was uh, the recent hotfixes tuned it more towards the normal, quote-unquote, difficulty, which um, they said is easier than the one that uh, Ann and I did. Um, but and I yeah, mean, we won both of ours. Yeah, yeah, we won them. It was it was close a couple for a couple the, months. That second there. one was really close, but yeah. we won both of them. So it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't what I would call punishingly difficult or anything. We were just having a really good time. Yeah, but uh, now if you watch someone doing them, you know, as of this podcast, it should be slightly easier, and that's allegedly the normal difficulty tuning. And like Ann said, there's going to be heroic, mythic, and then a PvP difficulty. So. I think what we did was probably somewhere between normal and heroic, um, but it was yeah, somewhere it was a blast. In there, probably yeah, it was a lot of fun. All right, well, before we move on with any more stories, Anne, uh, you had something you needed to talk about. Yeah, if you guys enjoy our show, consider checking out Munchpack at BlizzardWatch.com/Munchpack. That's M-U-N-C-H-P-A-K. Inside every Munchpack is a selection of snacks from around the world. Munchpack offers a variety of pack sizes and delivery schedules, and you can customize the types of snacks you receive with your personal taste or dietary restrictions in mind. Um, it's pretty much you get you get snacks from basically foreign countries and things like that and there's no rhyme or reason to it but you can kind of dictate what sort of snacks you want to get so if you really like sweet things you can sign up for a lot of sweet things if you like spicy things or savory things you can tell them that you prefer those and every month you get a box you can choose what size box you want you can go all the way from five snacks up to I think the office size is like 30 or something like that Um, anyway they also provide gifting options if you want to like gift it to somebody for a present for their birthday or a holiday or whatever but you can check them out and also support our show by going to blizzardwatch.com slash munchpack again m-u-n-c-h-p-a-k and signing up for the for a trial service you know check it out all right well thank you for that um before we move on i just want to say thanks and i did so uh you should probably talk about brigitte finally being playable in overwatch is that the well, case she's in men- i think we want to mention the other battle for azeroth thing that came up because we, okay. yeah, we had a Q&A. I guess. Well, we had a Q&A. Um, Ian has the causes. He did, a, he did a Battle for Azeroth Q&A last week. And one of the things that was definitively confirmed, which we all kind of figured out anyway, but they confirmed it, confirmed it. Now, we knew that Maghar Orcs were going to be an upcoming allied race. That was something that they mentioned at BlizzCon, I think. Like, yeah. They talked uh- about... Maghar being they mentioned it the... at least possible at BlizzCon, and then he basically dropped it like during the an earlier Q and A. Right. Well, anyway, said, yeah. anyway, uh, the other option that was coming up again and again in data mining, but hadn't really been confirmed either way, was Coltira and humans as an allied race. That he said in the Q and A, they're going to be an allied race, which is great because that means that all of these weird, crazy druid forms that have been data mined are actually going to be playable. So wicker druids, by Alli- human druids. <laughs> so alliance characters who were kind of annoyed that Horde got another druid race with the Zandalar. It's okay. You can chill now. Y'all are going to get a druid too. It's not going to be well, at the same time as the Zandalar. Probably be later, but it's okay. You will get one. Yeah, <laughs> uh, do I can't. I don't know what order stuff is coming out in now because it it sounds like they've shifted things around. Because he did mention that the like the base 8.0 experience is what we would be where where would we would be getting the reputation with the Zandalari, not where we would be unlocking. Well, like, the thing is, is like from what I understand, from what I understand, is the Zandalar and what's the the Dark Iron. Those guys were going to be unlocked. You could unlock them at level 120. And the unlock process is probably going to be something similar to the other allied races where you need to be exalted with the faction, which makes sense. I mean, I know people are going to complain about it, but you guys just think about this logically for a moment. If you are going to be a potential ally to a faction, wouldn't you 
want to make sure that the people that you're allying with are like they have your best intentions in mind. What's the best way to do that? Get exalted reputation with them. I mean, which I did back in Villa. Logistic. <laughs> now, yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> I got exalted with them. Well, no, I got exalted with some dudes on an island that weren't really part of the whole main thing at all. But uh, I imagine over the course of questing just like naturally over the course of questing both in Colteris and on Zandalar we will be getting some reputation and then once you hit 120 you'll get the rest of it like you'll grind it out that the, the way I took pretty it pretty cut and dry and normal the way I took it and the way some people I think are starting to speculate is that maybe Maghar orcs and Dark Iron will be the 8.0 slash uh, Battle for Azeroth launch allied races like you can maybe you have to get to 120 but you can unlock them like theoretically day or week one whereas the uh Kulturin and zandalari will be like 8.1 content that so would to make, speak that would make sense that and that, that's what i'm getting the sense of we don't have an official launch no one has said even when the expansion is coming out other than before september 21st yeah so yeah. we don't know we don't know no one has said and you'll have these allied races to unlock immediately and these ones you'll have to wait there's there's been nothing we don't know no but it's just well, i i got that impression and that's what it's sort of looking like especially because we've shifted towards a lot of uh maghar data mining from the original Zandalari, which we still have a lot of Zandalari info, yeah. but the Maghar are, are incredibly detailed. Uh, they are, and there's a ton of skins. Uh, what's really weird, I'm going to talk about them because I love them. the The data mine Volpera have more skins than the Maghar, who have a ton of skins. So They're if so the Volpera, if the Volpera aren't playable, they are going to be the most detailed NPC race we've ever seen because they true. have they have more skins and then tattoo fur markings but essentially tattoos than the maghar do and the maghar are confirmed as a playable race uh and they have like several different shades they're they've got full animations full they, anim- they have they can have armor too like you know they are capable of having armor put on them and yeah. can actually do that in the armor the, the other thing about thing the volpera is they've got unique animations uh they don't yes. just have full ones they've got at least five or six that are completely different from anybody else. Uh, one of them is they sleep with their nose and their tail together. They curl they up. They curl up in a ball and it's adorable. And when they yeah. wake up, they do like the whole doggy stretch thing with their tongue yeah. sticking out. It's like adorable. But yeah, uh, I don't so, I don't know if those are going to be an allied race or not. I mean, signs seem to be pointing to it, but Blizzard has said nothing one way or another about it. We don't even have the zone where these guys are featured. It's not even open on the alpha just yeah, yet. It's it's the one I the, am the waiting. one girl one that's not it's, open. Yeah, it's the one I'm waiting. looking forward to most. Also, um, one thing I did want to point out with the Maghar, which may or may not be surprising. Um Ian Hazagusis did clarify during the Q&A that Maghar just means uncorrupted. It does not mean the Maghari orcs like the ones that we saw in Outland. These uh, aren't the Outland which, ones. Which, the which is, ones. These are the Draenor ones, and it's also because it means uncorrupted, there's like, you know, the Frostwolf have a, a like a Frostwolf color skin, and basically bunch of different clans of orcs is what I'm getting at. It's not that's, just yeah. the brown Maghari orcs. That's why there's like a bunch of different tattoo and skin color variations for the Maghar because you can basically pick Laughing Skull or Frostwolf or Blackrock or what have you. You can be exactly. a member of pretty much any orc clan. I do I do feel like I want to point out here because a lot of people when when they talk about the Kulturans and unlocking the Colterians as an allied race, a lot of the a lot of what I hear is like, who wants to play a fat human? It's just a bunch of really big fat humans. What's what's so good about that? Da, 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 da. And they go on and on and on about that. I will be playing a fat human. <laughs> y'all y'all haven't seen them on the alpha, but the Colterians have a variety of body types and heights and and weight differentials yes some of them are like portly dudes or whatever with big mustaches and some of them are really tall ladies that are built like Zarya from Overwatch or whatever but there are also really scrawny Kulturians wandering around that are like they look like humans on Forsaken skeletons is what what they look like it looks like a forsaken that's been given a living human skin. Um, there are a bunch of those yeah. running around. Th- that's the thing about 
Kulturis on the Alpha that has really struck me so far is that there's so much variety in the human models in like their shapes, their sizes, their facial expressions, their heights even. Some of them are taller, some of them are shorter, some of them have darker skin and the dark skin options for these guys are like there's a there's a wide palette to choose from here and there's a wide it's it's like it's like they took the original human models not from vanilla but i mean from like warcraft 3 really they look very yeah, warcraft, warcraft, warcraft 3, 3 and the alpha for wow the the original the original original human models like from way back in the day that you only see screenshots of because they never made it to live or whatever it's like they took those bumped them up into high def and then added some more variety on top of them the kultirans are cool guys yeah, I don't you know don't... that we're going to get all of these different models because we have no idea. We have no idea what they're going to do. But if we if we get even a fraction of them, I'm still really excited, and I would totally roll one of these guys over the human models that we have right now. I don't like. I don't think human models right now are bad. I really don't. But I do feel like they look. They're just one model, and it's it's weird when you play these different classes. Like your rogue is you know guy who goes to the gym a lot. Your warrior is guy who goes to the gym a lot. Okay, they both hit people a lot. Your priest is guy who goes to the gym a lot. Why? Doesn't he just heal people? Yes, but he's really committed to physical fitness. And of course, Archmage Swolbro. Well, I'm never going to stop calling that. <laughs> Archmage Swolbro. Because <laughs> seriously, that dude, you know, well, I go down to the library, right? Um, I Citizens of Dalaran, do you even lift? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you guys don't understand. The Book of Ur is really heavy. That book is huge, dudes. Like seriously, like so. I I, I welcome the Kaltirans, even if we just get the, the the bulky ones because they're a different model. They look different. They just look but, yeah. rad. This, they're this so This is cool. what I was saying when when Ann and I were doing the island expeditions. Is that uh, I don't usually like playing humans in any RPG because I'm a human and that's fairly boring to me. You know, nothing against anyone who likes playing humans, but that's just not my deal. But with the Kaltirans, like. Yeah, they're still humans, but they definitely feel they feel newer than oh, this is just a new human model. They, I don't know, they feel unique and special, and they're just cool looking. And seeing them in game is also really cool. Like I, I know we're kind of going on and on about them, but that's because seeing them up close, they they are better than you might expect. They're really cool guys. Okay, now we can move on. Sorry, Ross. We should we should no, it's fine. We should talk about Brigitte now though. Brigitta, sorry, Brigitta. Uh, Argita. We should talk about her, though, because um, she's in Overwatch now. So, uh, Have you guys gotten a chance to play her yet? I was playing her a little bit during the pre-show, but that was my first real uh, play with her. But yeah, she's, she's how fun. How does this tank healer thing work? Like, how, how does um, that... <laughs> Confusing at first, because I, I logged into a game and I was like, wait, what am I again? I'm support, <laughs> right? <laughs> I legitimately got confused for a couple seconds. She's support um, slash tank hybrid, and she's the first one of her kind in Overwatch. So yeah, she's yes. not super difficult to pick up and play. It's just kind of understanding what you're doing. Because the way Brigitte, the way her abilities work, she's got Rocket Flail. That's the one that she swings in a wide arc in front of her. And she can hit multiple enemies if there's multiple enemies in front of her. She's also got Whip Shot. And that's a distance flail shot that will actually it's, knock it's enemies backwards. Too. Yeah. But the thing is, is she also has a passive ability called Inspire. And what Inspire does is it heals nearby allies over time based on the damage that she's doing. So if she's doing damage... The people around her, her allies around her, will regain their health a little bit at a time. It's not quite like a direct heal, but she's also got an ability that will let her create repair packs and toss them at her allies and heal them up. So she does have heal spells available. She's also got a barrier shield. The barrier shield will... It it limits it's... the damage that she takes. It's not like Reinhardt's shield where you can stand behind it or like uh, Winston's shield where you stand under it, under the bubble or whatever. It's not quite like that. If you are standing directly behind her, it may protect you a little bit, but it's mostly to protect her. Um, she's also got a shield bash. The shield bash lets her kind of pull a Reinhardt because she'll lunge forward and stun the first enemy in her path, but it's not... It's 
it's really fun to use that. Like, yeah, I, it was not, surprisingly fun to interrupt someone with that shield. Bash. Yeah, it's not like Reinhardt's charge, though. It's not the same thing no, as no, the no. charge. Um, it's a, it's a different ability, but it's kind of similar to it. And that all kind of plays off of this whole thing where she's Reinhardt's squire, because all of her abilities that she does, you get the impression that these are the kind of abilities that Reinhardt would teach somebody. Like yeah, and and the the armor pack thing is you know in the vein of Torbjorn, uh, or hers is packs, targeted. Yeah, yeah, hers is targeted though, so she doesn't like throw them down and someone walks over them. She actually targets. It, it's actually she throws a little them bit at like yeah, it's like uh, Zenyatta's. Uh, I can't remember the exact name, but the healing orb. The Aren't they? From what I understand, don't doesn't she throw them? And if they don't heal you because you're not damaged, they put armor on you. Yeah, correct. If you're at max health already, it'll give you a little bit of additional armor, which is pretty cool. Um, that also kind of plays into her ultimate because her ultimate is called Rally. That will generate extra armor for all of her allies that are around her, and it also increases her movement speed just a little bit but just hers it doesn't increase everybody else's that's a lucio thing so um yeah, she's she's a lot of fun though like it, she's got some cool things in her toolkit <laughs> it, it takes getting used to kind of figuring out where you should be because there were there were definitely times where i charged in and you know i wanted to do a little bit of damage and i, I definitely took on more than i should have um because her shield is not as hardy as reinhardt's i think his has like what twenty thousand absorb? He's a lot beefier like, than hers. Hers is like six thousand. Yeah, yeah. So it it does take a second to kind of figure out where you should be standing and how much damage you should be absorbing versus how much you should be healing allies. But she's she's just a lot of fun because she does have that sort of hybridity of I can take more damage than your average healer, but I can also you know provide the healing and. There's also something incredibly satisfying about just using a flail in Overwatch. It, it it's hard to describe without you know just saying go experience it. But that flail is just a ton of fun. She reminded me of the uh, Diablo Three Crusader or uh, one of the healing paladins who goes into melee and wow, kind of realized bit. in Overwatch. She's got a little oh, yeah. Johanna. <laughs> I'm waiting for a Johanna skin or a Brigitte skin uh, in Overwatch or, or Hots respectively, yeah, or both. Okay. All right, well, that's cool. I'm glad that she's finally in because she's one of the more interesting ideas they've had. I, I remember watching the short and thinking, yeah, they, they should make her a character. So I'm glad that she's finally playable. Uh, the last thing we're going to talk about, um, well, it might not be. You guys might throw someone else out. But uh, the Hearthstone Portal Brawl for the StarCraft 20th anniversary is listed here. So let's talk about that. Either one of you got a chance to do anything with it? I haven't done anything with it, but I've read up on it. It's just that everybody was doing, you know, the anniversary event for StarCraft's 20th anniversary and whatnot. Um, Hearthstone is doing their version of it this week. Um, So the brawl is called Portals to Another Dimension. And what happens is you have to, like, build your own deck for the brawl, but you only pick 10 cards. And once you've picked those 10 cards, the rest of your deck is filled with portals. And it's portals to a mysterious <laughs> StarCraft dimension. So you just pick the portal that most appeals to you. There's like the tech portal with mechs, guns, explosions. This portal brings victory via technology. And there's the swarm portal. If it stalks, oozes toxic sludge, or has jagged spines, it might slither from beyond this portal. Or there's the mind portal, which is like, you know, Protoss. It says, if it's psychic power you seek, find it by ascending through this portal. You don't know what's going to come out of it. You have no idea. It's just going to be basically kind of like themed around those three things. One of those three things, whichever one you happen to pick. And you have to kind of pick the right combination to beat the brawl. So it's going to be, it's interesting. Um, It's a challenge. I think, I don't know if Liz has attempted it yet or not. I think I would have. I've, people seem to be having a lot of fun with it. I have not tried it yet, but it. It seems to be getting really good reception. Well, and the cool part is that usually when you win a brawl, you'll win a single classic pack. But this week, if you win the brawl, you'll get three kobolds and catacombs packs. So, hey, that's a bonus. (laughs) And it makes makes doing the brawl ultra worth it because you get three of the kobolds and catacomb packs with it. Um, Anyway, that runs from the 21st through the 25th. So if you want to actually, like, participate in that brawl, Go do it quick before so it's, it's gone. <laughs> yeah, fairly short duration, especially yeah. if you're listening to this on Thursday. There... I just liked the idea 
of it because I was like, yeah. how are they going to make Hearthstone work with StarCraft? Because it's, it's very much like a Warcraft-inspired slash themed game, but they managed to do it here. <laughs> the fun yeah, part's going to be when eventually they, they bring out the StarCraft card game and oh god as as the in the words of a 2004 uh penny arcade people stopped peeing they just don't pee anymore oh dear um there there was one thing i wanted to add before we go on to the emails real quick uh here's the storm tweeted something about uh their pax east appearance and it it was interesting in the fact that they said like learn more about heroes of the storm and the lore of the nexus um and that's interesting, one, because they've already said uh, they're going to reveal, like, the most unlikely hero at PAX East. And they've wow, all... I'm finally going to get to be in Heroes of the Storm. I've always well, wanted Well, that's, that's where I was going, though, is lore is not really something Heroes of the Storm is known for. Like, it, it's sort of known for not having lore. So some people are suspecting that they're going to reveal a, uh, like, single-player type mode oh my gosh they're going to talk about the lore they're going to talk about the lore of heroes of the storm right they're going to be talking about all of this stuff so we'll have to stay a while and listen and Derek or Decker (laughs) Kane new hero unlikely I hope it's Decker Kane but not Derek Kane Decker Kane I'm sorry I'm like Derek what (laughs) my my alternate theory which Rossi kind of joked about was what if they tell us we're the hero and that's their way of introducing like a single player campaign or a PVE type thing because people really loved the PVE brawl that they did with with Starcraft fittingly enough um, no, I seriously, I now that I'm thinking about it, like when you, you when you mentioned the lore thing, I'm like, that's really weird. Why would they do that? Wait a minute. Yeah. What if they brought in Deckard Kane? What if they did it? What if they up and did it? Awesome. Cuz that would be but unlikely. It would. But the lore thing is the thing that kind of stuck out to a lot of people. Again, because that's not really something Heroes has. So, Okay, I, I believe... but what is Deckard Kane notorious for doing in Diablo? <laughs> Talking. Yeah. Talking a lot. <laughs> About the lore. <laughs> um, but yeah. Like, it's... Decker Kane is basically me, a little older, and slightly more helpful. That's, it's it's you know... something uh, worth keeping an eye out for. And PAX East, I believe, is April 5th through 8th. So just over two weeks if you're listening live. Exactly two weeks if you're listening on Thursday. But yeah, that's I'm my curiosity's peaked more than a little. Yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, but yeah, we're going to do emails now since it's getting towards that time of the show where we have to do some or we will run out of time. Uh, if you have an email for the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with podcast or blizzardwatch in the subject line so we know it's for this show. Uh, Anne's going to read them for us as she does every week. So if you don't mind, Anne. Yes. Okay. So first email is from Eros who says... Of the seven human kingdoms, it seems the people of Alterac, Stromgard, and Lordaeron are all either leaderless or completely displaced. Like Catherine Proudmore, who would likely be next in line to lead these nations should the story take us there? Um, I feel like I should point out for the record that the citizens of Lordaeron are not leaderless. They're just dead, and they've been made undead, <laughs> and Sylvanas is leading them as the Forsaken. There's your uh, people of Lordaeron. Well, half of them. The other half live in Stormwind. This is true, but... Yeah. The majority of them... of them are corpses <laughs> shambling around dearest yeah, the ones, the, the ones, for that matter, the ones that are in Stormwind have a leader. Yeah. Because they're in Stormwind and the king of Stormwind leads them. Yeah. Um, Alterac is basically mostly at this point uh, an ogre infested ruin with some thieves living in various pockets. It's not a kingdom anymore. It's a place that given the Horde, its traitorous you know, history it's probably best that we just let it die out entirely Stromgard is gonna if Stromgard was to make a resurgence on, as a human kingdom and and come back it would be Denath Trollbane who's next in line and I am so on board with that one I may not be like too gung-ho about the Lordaeron and the Altrak but Stromgard yeah bring it back bring yeah, this Trollbane Lord- it'd be cool Lordaeron Lordaeron, it's like, you know, would you even want to go back there? Like, no. seriously, this is one of the situations where I used to role play my original character, my human, who I still have. I still bring him out. I make sure he gets leveled to max every expansion, and then I don't play him for a while. Uh, but, you know, out of sheer nostalgia, I always level him up. And my original role play from him was that he was from, uh, there's that town outside of Brill. It's not a town, it's like a farm. Like, I yeah. remember. Ag- I Agamemnon Mills? Or yeah. The, yeah. Uh, yeah. Or the farm. 
he, he, I, he was from that one, I think, um, the Mills. And I always like I whenever I'd go up there for any particular reason, I'd always stop there and look at it. Like when whenever the uh, we would go raid um, Undercity or what have you, whenever I was there, I'd always go and, and look at it. And over the years, I've thought about it a lot. And there's no way he'd want to move back there. Everybody Can in you his just family. Imagine, yeah. like, just think for a second. Just stop and close your eyes and and think about this for a moment. The landscape is okay. There's grass. There's green growing things. There's trees. They're ominous, but they're there. However, the entire place is populated by walking corpses. Can you imagine what Tears Fall Glades smells like? Like what the air smells like? <laughs> I have literally never thought about that until now. Thank you. It, yeah. It's, it's not pleasant. Like you need, you need like several industrial gallons of Febreze to like even make the place hospitable to anything that has a decent sense of sense of smell you know it's even just... if you assume yeah even if you assume the forsaken Ugh. don't smell all that bad because they are past that point in the dk cycle because decomp has a passage of time and after it's a while it just still... doesn't smell anything it's still but... it's not i mean they develop plague in this area it's not apt to smell good um, uh, I would just can't out. imagine, like, you know, you're chased out of a place by walking corpses. Like, I think at one point, Callie Menethil, if you do it, the priest that, stuff. That's she, what I was going to say is she's, she, she's, isn't she technically, like, wouldn't she be? She's the, the heir, but she doesn't she's want it. She's the last Menethil. Yeah, she does not want it. No. Yeah, but she, but, she, but she, she tells a story. She tells a story when someone's, like, when one of the players is trying to be annoying doing the click on her thing. She says, you know, I, I hung in a ditch for, like, three days with walking corpses shambling around trying to eat me. Uh, yeah, you're not gonna bother me like that's that's the experience of most people who survive arthas did not want people to leave and he tried to kill them to make sure they couldn't get out like he was trying to kill them anyway but and he noticed people were making their way out he sent forces to murder them so if you got out and a lot of people did like a big chunk of the, the populace got out those people keep in mind that jaina took a bunch of them with her too to there yeah. more which they may yeah. may not still be alive, but you know, but various oh, people people did get out. But those people, like you, you would have gone through an experience more horrible than almost anything people can contemplate. Because it wasn't just like random people murdering you; it was your own dead loved ones, and you saw them turn. In some cases, you saw them get sick, you saw them die, and then you saw them come back to kill you. Uh, and it's just. I, I, Stromgard, I'm totally down with Stromgard becoming a human kingdom again. Finally, like you know, sure, that'd be that'd be great. I think that's fine. Lordaeron, we know it's going to be occupied in Battle for Azeroth, and we don't know what the status quo is going to be after Battle for Azeroth. We don't know how permanent the state of affairs is. Um, but yeah, it's not compelling. It's not really I mean, some place you'd want to live. It's some place that you'd want to put to rest, if anything maybe make a memorial or something but you wouldn't want like to build residences and homes there at least not immediately i mean it's it's weird too because if you think about it, the eastern and western plaguelands were all part of the big kingdom of lordaeron oh yeah L- lordaeron wasn't just the part that we have now with terrace fall and all that stuff and it was it was three zones wide it went across the whole continent and it's it's really strange to realize, like, when you, like, go through Warcraft 3 and you go through the stuff that, that like, Arthas did when he was trying to stop the Scourge, that part of Lordaeron, where, where Stromgard was, was considered the far north. And it was its own culture. And Are you it, talking about Stromgard or are you talking about Stratholme? Stratholme, my apologies. Yeah, mm-hmm. Stratholme. That part was considered the north and it was its own culture. And the part to the, you know, if you go as far as you can towards where the Scarlet Enclave was, that was a separate area, too. Um, they were all part of Lordaeron, but they were like, you know, like states, for lack of a better word. There's a lot of going, there's a lot going on there. Lordaeron is, I think at this point, it's too big to even think about reclaiming. It would be reclaimed piecemeal, if anything. You you wouldn't just pick one guy and say, okay, this is all yours. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's a mess. It's sad, because it was like yeah. humanity's biggest kingdom or whatever. Stromgard is probably second to that, but that's only because... Stromgard kind of disintegrated, you know. Um, I would love to see Stromgard come back. I would love yeah. to see Trollbane step I up. I want them it. to do anything cool. with Arathi. Uh, Arathi would be cool too. Area. Something, something in that area. Alterac, 
the way that Alterac went down, like the whole thing with Paranold and the fact that he betrayed the Alliance basically to just buy himself time and make sure that the Horde didn't murder his people, and then that whole degeneration into this, to the Syndicate and, and everything that came out of that, it's sort of a fascinating bit of history that not a lot of people... Maybe I should write about that for Know Your Lore next week, because I don't think that a lot <laughs> of people really know about what went down there, but it's really interesting, and that area, honestly... It should remain like it is. It should be ruins. Just given everything that went down there, it doesn't deserve to be a kingdom. <laughs> what if What if Dalaran decides to finally plant itself back in the crater? I don't think that Dalaran would do that. <laughs> is it just going to stay floating forever? I yeah, think I think Dalaran the mages will, like it that way. <laughs> I think Dalaran will move where it is needed most, wherever that happens to be. Um, I still maintain that if it settles anywhere... It should just plant itself right where Theramore used to be and be like, That's yeah, actually... you know how you destroyed one city? Bring it. I don't think they, I mean, they could take down Theramore, but I don't think they could take down Dalaran. <laughs> then yeah. again, that would also turn Theramore, well, the old ruins of Theramore into either an alliance controlled Dalaran or a neutral Dalaran, which feels like a slap in the face of the alliance. I I think that Dalaran is very firmly going to go on the Alliance side, at least for the time being. I don't really see them being a neutral entity in the face of everything that's going on. I don't know. It kind of depends on how Battle for Azeroth kicks off and what happens with it. Um, And Dalaran may very well just float in the sky in the middle of nowhere for a while because, hello, they just got done fighting and defeating the Burning Legion. Maybe they want to take a break for a little while. Maybe they just want to rest, recoup. I got the, the sense world. from Ka- yeah, I got the sense from Cadgar's reaction in the quests that he's like pretty disgusted with everybody. And he's, he's not take happy. His ball. Yeah, and you'll notice though when he leaves, he doesn't leave for Dalaran. He leaves for Karazhan. Yeah, he's he's done with Dalaran. Um, and Which, I don't does know. That, like, where, where does that leave Jaina in terms of leadership well, of question, Dalaran? Of course. The, she doesn't seem to be interested in it either. I, well, Jaina's kind of mad because nobody would listen to her. And look where we are now, you know, going into battle for Azeroth. I, she's She's got every right to give them the biggest I told you so. Our victory was what are we? What are we doing now? You know, that kind of thing. But at the same time, I mean, each side has its points. Cadgar has his points because we really couldn't have defeated the Legion without working together. But Jaina also has her point because look at what's happening in Battle for Azeroth. It were right yeah. back into that whole faction conflict thing and she knew that it would happen again. So each each of them had perfectly valid points and they couldn't come to any kind of consensus on it. I'm interested in seeing where Jaina goes in Battle for Azeroth. I'm really interested. So She is so scary in one of the scenarios. <sighs> Yeah, well, like, I haven't good played, scary. I haven't done it yet, so <laughs> I, I, I'm not. I'm not. She's like, she's like good scary. Like this is the Jaina you you should, want on your side. We should uh, do another email here though, because we're getting kind of off yeah. topic. Uh, this one is from Lomshank on Warmrest Accord, who says, "Hello, Watchers. Why are humans running everything for the Alliance? Their leader commands the other races, even mandating how a major race should run its government, the Dwarves. I feel a Draenei or Night Elf would step up and say, wait." Why are we doing whatever this 17-year-old human wants when we have wise 10,000-year-old leaders who have been through multiple world-breaking events? Thanks, Lomshank. You have to look at the origins of the Alliance. It was originally the Alliance of Lordaeron, and it was an alliance of the seven human kingdoms, and then the dwarves came in, the high elves came in, the gnomes kind of came in along with the dwarves, but it was a human organization. And even though it splintered and fractured, it was still the Alliance... And then they started inviting other races in. So the Night Elves came in as part of the fallout from the Third War. Like, it was all... That alliance wouldn't exist without humanity, I guess. I don't know. We, Rossi, you want to this question a lot, either here yeah. or in the queue, I think. And yeah. I, I don't know if there's a good reason, like, outside of, you know, humans have not done a terrible job right now. So there's no reason to Rhonda would really have to necessarily like overthrow the current leadership is well, there's my best actually, thinking. There's a few other reasons besides the fact, I mean, Ian, Ian was dead on about the origins of the Alliance. Uh, one is that humans are canonically the most populous race. There are more of them, even after the scourge, even after the forsaken were formed, you know, the human, there are just plain more humans. 
there were more humans in, Str- in Stormwind by itself than there were dwarves, gnomes, and high elves put together. Uh, those laces are longer lived and don't have kids as much. And like now that certain other things have happened, those, some of those races are even less. Humanity you know. is notoriously prolific. Yeah, so that's that's number one. Even with night elves, even with draenei, those are like those those really long lived races just don't have a lot of kids. It's notable enough when when night elves have kids that they have a viewing ceremony for them. It's like come hey, on out, everybody, look at the babies, it's baby viewing day. Yeah, um, <laughs> the the draenei are strangers on this planet, and Velen, until fairly recently, Velen was notoriously passive. He wasn't telling people what to do. He was busy sitting in his spaceship meditating real hard. It wasn't until Legion that he got off his butt and started really doing stuff. And you see him taking a more active role now, but he's very close with Anduin. He's not going to just push Anduin out of the way. He thinks Anduin is the potential to be a really great leader. He's going to work with him. Uh, the Gilneans are humans. I mean, yes, they're humans who turn into wolves, but they're humans nonetheless. So they're not going to be like, no, we should be in charge more. If they, if they, if Gen became in charge, it would still be humans. You know, it, to to the Alliance, they don't actually look at those guys and think Worgen. They think humans. So, and most Gilnaeans don't, but humans. Yeah. And most Gilnaeans don't have the curse. It's not throughout the entire population. It's just a lot of them have it. So there's that. Um, there's also the fact that. Those long-lived races, I mean, Night Elves in particular, Night Elves are real standoffish. Like, until fairly recently, they they contributed to the Alliance, but they only joined the Alliance because they were mad at the Horde. They were, yeah. you know, they they didn't like what the Horde did in Ashenvale. They didn't like the whole killing scenarios thing. It was the better of, like, they looked at these two powerful factions forming and said, well, we need one of them. We're going to go with the one that's less obnoxious. It was basically the Night Elves and the Orcs and the humans all came together to defeat Archimonde up at Hyjal. Everybody went back their respective ways and kind of separated. Jaina tried to strike an agreement with the Horde through Thrall, and they had this sort of tentative thing going on. And then, of course, her dad showed up and all that went... Anyway, but beyond that, the Horde decided to start encroaching into Ashenvale to get lumber and, and resources and things because I don't know if you've noticed or not, but Duratar is kind of like a dirtball hellscape where nothing grows. <laughs> so they really needed like some way to keep themselves going. The Night Elves did not appreciate that, really didn't appreciate it in the wake of what they did to Cenarius, even though, you know, technically it was like, well, they were under demonic influence at the time, but eh, there is no excusing that. There's no excusing what, what Gromash did, what Grom did while he was out there, and the fact that he decided that swilling a bunch of demon blood was a good solution to fighting off a demigod. That was not cool. Um, but since that the action of just encroaching into Ashenvale was enough for the Night Owls for them to go, okay, you know how we were all cool with each other when you saved our mountain? We're not cool anymore. And they turned to the humans, because the humans were the ones that weren't encroaching into the forest, and said, hey, can you guys do us a solid and help us out? And they're like, yeah, yeah. if you want to join our alliance. And the, the Night Elf position in the alliance for the longest time was basically, we have common interests, so we'll work together. Like, they basically were over in Kalimdor running their own show, for the most part. They, they worked with the alliance when it was convenient to them, but they weren't. It only became the alliance only became as strong as it did when as with a central leader when Varian came back, and Varian kind of became leader by acclamation, where everybody just accepted, okay, he's a strong figure, he's a good war leader, he's in charge, and he, he became beat the kind snot of not out of that dragon. So yeah. <laughs> there's when he died, there's kind of a position. The, the situation kind of feels like they're going along with Anduin because he is king of Stormwind. He does have the largest military force. He's got the most people. Plus, it's a line of succession issue. Kings are seceded by their heirs. Anduin's king now, so he gets to be in charge. I don't think Anduin just runs everything. That's not his style. No, and the uh, thing and- is, is what Anduin has that his father did not have is that Anduin has a pretty substantial and significant link to every other race in the Alliance. He studied under Velen. He knows the Night Elves. He hung out with the Night Elves. He kind of grew up with them, whatever. He grew up in a space where all of these allied races were together. 
So he's trained with the dwarves. He's had interactions with the gnomes. Like, he knows the value of having all of these allies, whereas Varian maybe didn't necessarily do so because the night elves didn't come in until Varian was already in... Like, he was there when they were brought in. He didn't didn't grow up with them or understand them or anything. There was that learning period. Anduin's kind of had it all along. And I think that that has at least a little bit to do with his effectiveness as a leader. The other thing that you also have to, you know, you have to point this out here. Everybody says, oh, he's just a 17-year-old kid. Varian Rin was crowned king of Stormwind at age 18. That's not considered a kid to these guys. We're in a fantasy kingdom where, you know, you hit 17, 18, you are a man and or a woman fully capable of doing anything that an adult can do. There's yeah, not like a legal from, 21 yeah. years old where you're considered a legal adult. No. That's not how it works in Azeroth. Yeah, you think about this, that Arthas and Jaina first met when they were basically, like, what, 14? Yeah, they were kids. And and they were already in training. Like, she was already in training to be a mage. Yeah. He was already in training to be a paladin and had been since he was, like, seven. They grow up fast. Yeah. And also, there's one other thing to point out about who's in charge of the Alliance. Yes, Anduin is the is the high king effectively he is in charge of the alliance but go to stormwind right now and you'll find him standing in an embassy with several people from other factions he's not just making unilateral decisions he's consulting with these people that's the other thing that Anduin has is he's got that sort of diplomatic touch that maybe he learned from Jaina, and maybe part of it was inherited from his grandfather because you know uh Varian's dad, whose name is just completely escaping me Lane. at this point. Lane. Lane, yeah. King Lane was he was a very diplomatic kind of leader. Um Lane went out of his way, like when Garona showed up, he treated Garona with the same kind of respect as he treated anybody else and it really affected her. Um they were friends even before all that mind control went in and she shanked him. Um <laughs> <laughs> Now, Varian, Freaking mind control ruining everything with Varian shanks. had his own trust issues, and a lot of that was because he saw his father shanked, like, right in front of him. So that messed him up a lot, understandably. Um, and also, his perception of the Horde was not good, and who can blame him um, at that point? Plus, there's the fact that the Horde just kind of ran rampant. The old Horde was not nice. They were not good people. Uh, the new Horde is arguably some of them are okay some of them are very much not okay but Varian never quite got over that whole I don't quite trust you thing because the thing is is he saw what happened when his father trusted somebody other would they do they turned around and stabbed him not even in the back in the front (laughs) in the throne room you know Um, that's like a really horrible game of Clue Anduin doesn't Anduin doesn't have that. Anduin didn't see that. Anduin grew up with a father who was very distrustful, but he didn't quite get all of the time why his father was distrustful. And Anduin's also, he's had diplomatic relationships with the Horde, too. I mean, he was on board with Jaina as far as, like, forming some kind of alliance or just at least, like, a ceasefire, peace treaty, something like that with the Horde. They had a diplomatic summit. He talked his dad into going to this thing. He's talked to Bane before. The two of them exchanged presents. They talked about, you know, their their fathers and, and that kind of thing. Like, they had this sort of shared conversation. Anduin's never quite had that same sort of reservation of trust that his father did. Um, so maybe he is a little more respected. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. Mitch, do you have anything to add to all of this? Uh, mostly what I said before is that, I mean, if if Anduin started making decisions like uh, Garrosh did in Mists, yeah, there might be a question of, well, why is this guy leaving us? They would us? not but, be happy with that. <laughs> but... I mean, Anduin hasn't, he's not doing anything wrong in the, as the Battle for Azeroth uh, cinematic trailer showed us, like, he can also lead, like, he has to put on a tough face, and it, you know, may not be his exact forte, but he is willing to do it, and he steps up, and he takes advice from people, he, he's not doing a bad job. I th- I think the reason that the humans don't really, like, you know, it was started because of, you know, what you said about, you know, it being the alliance of Lordaeron and all that stuff. Um, I think it stayed that way because the human leaders have given the other races no reason to really question them. I'm sure, you know, they haven't agreed with everything, but 
you know, Anduin is doing a really good job so far. He's doing as much as he can, and this is all in the wake of his father dying horribly. So, yeah, I don't know. I- I'm interested to see where Anduin goes as a leader because I think that his approach towards leadership is going to be very different from his father's, um, just because of his upbringing and because of his bloodline. You know, I don't know. The Rins are always leaders. Anyway, do we? I know we're running over a little bit, but do we have time I, for fine. one more super quick question? Sure. sure. Okay, because I like this question a lot, and I want to hear what you guys have in terms of an answer. All right, this one is from Sivus of Dethicus, who says, Greetings, watchers. How did Mechatork get his Iron Gnome suit inside the Alliance Embassy? Regards, Sivus. He transformed it into a car and drove it in. I'm just imagining like little power wheels. <laughs> Either that or it splits apart into five small robot cub lion cubs and then he just flies it in and then they it follow combines him up around. They just follow it him com- around. And then it combines up to form, you know, Volk attack and you know, everything's cool. I, I just I you know, I'm pretty sure he just all he had to do was turn. It, the door is relatively big. He could just turn and get his shoulder in, but I like the idea that he transformed it or something. Or that it like just goes like he hits a switch and it telescopes down, like the arms and legs and shoulders all kind of pull in, like origami. Like he just goes and then it's like a smaller mech suit that he walked in and then he goes booms it back up to big size. I, I get the feeling he just has it really big so we can look down on everybody for once. The the other option, I love your answer, by the way, is that uh, I, I feel maybe he could have just, you know, stood there and then kind of, kind of gone like town in a box on all of us and just let it pop up around him. Yeah, it didn't show yeah, up he fast. He didn't walk into the embassy. The embassy rose around <laughs> him. <laughs> yeah, he, hey, he we like, need an embassy here. What can you do? Well, as long as I can keep my suit, I'll design something. I would love it if he just walks in. He takes like a, what looks like a seed out of his pocket, like a metal seed. He puts it in the ground waters it, stomps on it a little bit, and then, <laughs> like, framework all frames up around it, and then, like, you know, wood just kind of pops out of everything. Yeah, so this, is how, this is how gnomes make trees. We plant a metal seed. I just like the fact that he has a suit, so he's actually the same height as everybody else, because that's a dream <laughs> of mine and has been for many years. <laughs> I'm like 5'3". I went to the store the other day, and I was standing on my tiptoes trying to reach something on the top shelf until some poor man took pity on me and said, do you want help with that? I said, yeah. Oh. He pulled it down. It was just like a box of soup mix. He pulls it down, hands it to me. I'm like, thank you. He goes, I have to do this for my wife like all the time. I'm like, yeah, okay. You get it. <laughs> if I could have a transformer Dumps. suit, I would have one. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, you know, he built it primarily. His original design had nothing to do with using it in conflict. He just wanted to finally be on the same level as everybody, except dwarves. But you know, eh. dwarves dwarves can make their own suits if they have problems. I think dwarves like making everyone look down at them. Okay, these other emails that we have, we do have a couple more, but we're going to go ahead and carry those over to next week because we're running over on time here. Blizzard Watch. It's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzardwatch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. And again, you guys, if you enjoy our show, consider checking out Munchpack. You can do that and get a variety of snacks from around the world. Sign up through blizzardwatch.com slash munchpack. That's M-U-N-C-H-P-A-K. Thank you very much, Anne. Uh, again, if you have an email for the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzardwatch so we know it's for the show. Thank you guys very much for listening. This has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast, and we'll be here next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.